0: Welcome to Edgemont Bible Church in Fairview Heights, Illinois, where our mission is to glorify God by guiding people into a discipleship relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to today's message by our pastor, Douglas A. White. Just as a little thought here, we're told that we're to be filled with the Spirit. And in studying that word, filled with the Spirit, it's the word for completion, It means it's what completes something. So if you have a scripture, a prophecy that was given, when it's over here and filled or fulfilled, it's completed. Here's what was said that's going to happen. Here's what happens when it did happen. So that scripture is said to be completed. That's the same word that's used about us and the Holy Spirit. We were never meant to work by ourselves. We were always meant to work as a team with the Holy Spirit. So to be filled with the Spirit is not, uh, not big, ethereal, anything. It's simply this, that when you, by faith, move in the direction of obedience, and you're moving that way because this is what God has said to do, God will meet you, and he completes you so that you are working together with him as a team. And what that's going to do is going to produce thanksgiving in you. That's going to produce praise in you. That's going to produce submission in you so that you're willing to look whatever tasks are, and you're going to do those tasks. doesn't matter what your position is. You're going to do the task because that's the teamwork. And when you are giving yourself in obedience to do that, God meets you and completes you. You're full of the Spirit when that's taking place. Fair enough? All right, now to Ezekiel 38. We're going to be in Ezekiel 38 and 39 today. We've already looked at 36, 37, where God is telling us He's going to restore Israel. And of course, for us, uh, just a reminder once again, if the this, this stage is the platform of time, and this is the beginning of time, and this is about Abraham in here, and this is going to be all the children of Israel in their uh, wanderings and finally coming in to be a nation. And right here is going to be the prophets that spoke to them. And right here is going to be the Lord Jesus Christ. And right here is where we're Somewhere in here, I think about it, and here's someplace we're living, and here's the end of it all in that tribulation. Back here, Ezekiel is 2,600 years ago. That number is 2,600. And he gave a prophecy that dealt with Israel being back in the land. Well, people have said, well, that's easy to fulfill. Israel came back to the land. Uh, Israel, when they got to come back to the land at the time of the Lord Jesus Christ, were under the Romans. They had just been under the Greeks. They had just been under the Persians. And they'd been in exile to the Babylonians. They were not in their own land as their own people. This guy's prophecy was about them being in the land and safe, being in their own land. That was 2,600 years ago. This 2,600-year-old prophecy was not fulfilled here, and we know they were driven off of the land after Jesus was, was crucified, raised again. We know that by 136, nobody's in the land anymore. It's a pretty much a desolate place. They're only leaving the poor of the land to be there, and the land wasn't producing anything. So much so that by 1871... I think it's 1871. Mark Twain visits and said, who would ever want to live in that desolate place? Nothing's there. That's a horrible place. It's at this same period of time that a great group is arising calling themselves Zionists. They believe that Israel is supposed to, by the Word of God, have their own land. They believe that they're supposed to be back in that land, and they started speaking Hebrew again. They were Zionists. They were planning to be back in that land. They did not know that by 1917, the Balfour Declaration would be made and the British would say, we think they need their own land. And in 1948, they got their own land. Old 2,600-year-old prophecy said, <sighs> <sighs> okay, okay. I'm at it. What are we supposed to be doing? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And all those prophecies came to life. Slumbering all those years, here it is, ready to be complete. And what you're seeing in 1948 is that 2,600-year-old prophecy being fulfilled. So all we got to look at, kids, is say, what's next? What's next? What's next? And then he said, and that's when I'm bringing the final thing on all the nations. That's why you need to be excited. You are looking at prophecy being fulfilled that's 2,600 years old, coming to life right now in your, in your time. That's what's the big deal about Ukraine and Russia, and that's what's the big deal about all that. That's what's the big deal about Iran being so diligent and so vocal vociferous about getting Israel stopped I don't know if you're keeping up with this but as we're going to well I'll give you that in just a minute oh it's going to be excited that's that's called salting the oats that's to hopefully make you thirsty all right here we go we've we've seen I I believe that what we're looking at is this event is going to be the event that brings Israel to faith in Christ the event we're going to be studying today is the event that's going to bring Israel to a faith in Christ. Now, that's not conjecture on my part. And again, I'm going to go to the end before I get, I I don't get to do it again. So if you would, please pick up with me at uh, verse 21 of 39. Ezekiel 39. Now, this is at the completion of the event we're going to talk about today. Here's what he said. I will set my glory among the nations all the nations shall see my judgment, which I have executed, and my hand, which I have laid on them. How many nations? All of them. Okay. So the house of Israel shall know that I am the Lord, their God from that day forward. What? The group that is atheist now is going to know that he's the Lord? Yes. Is that a change in them or what? yes, that is a change. And he's saying, it's not for your sake. It's not because you were all motivated to do it. I'm tired of you profaning my name. I'm doing this for my own name's sake. I'm bringing you to faith because of my own name's sake. All right, let's go on a little further. It's too early to get excited. 23. The Gentiles shall know that the House of Israel went into captivity for their iniquity. In other words, they're going to understand the diaspora, they're going to understand everything was going on, because they were unfaithful to me. Therefore I hid my face from them, I gave them to the hand of their enemies, and they all fell by the sword. According to their uncleanness, according to their transgressions, I have dealt with them and hidden my face from them. That's all these last years up to 1948. "'Therefore thus says the Lord God, "'Now I will bring back the captives of Jacob "'and have mercy on the whole house of Israel. "'I'll be jealous for my holy name, "'after they have borne their shame "'and all their unfaithfulness "'in which they were unfaithful to me, "'when they dwelt safely in their own land "'and no one made them afraid.' when I have brought them back from the peoples and had gathered them out of their enemies' lands, and I am hallowed in them in the sight of many nations, then they shall know that I am the Lord their God who sent them into captivity among the nations, but also brought them back to their land and left none of them captive any longer. I will not hide my face from them anymore, for I will, shall have poured out my spirit on the house of Israel, says the Lord God. So, after this event we're going to talk about today, he's bringing them back from all the nations they have been scattered to. He's going to bring them back to that land again. They're going to be in that land again. 1948 was the start, not the end. That's where this whole thing starts. It's not finished. He's got a lot more to do. There are plenty of Jewish people living all around the world yet. But he's going to bring them back after this big event. So let's look at the big event. Fair enough? God's picking an intentional fight. Why don't you look with me at 38. 38, 38.1. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, set your face against Gog of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal, and prophesy against him, and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. I will turn you around, put hooks in your jaws, and lead you out with all your army, horses, and horsemen, all splendidly clothed, and a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. Persia, Ethiopia, Libya are with them, all of them with shield and helmet. Gomer and all its uh, troops, the house of Togarma from the far north and all its troops, many people are with you. Stop. That's picking a fight. You follow that? That's saying this. I've let you go for a long time. My long suffering has worked with you a long time, but my long suffering is done. It is time for me to judge you first. You are the ones I'm going to judge first of all. I'm going to finish the work with you. And then I'm going to judge the rest of the nations as well. But I'm going to bring my people back that in faith, they will know who I am. You will know who I am. You will understand. I'm in charge of this situation, and I'm bringing you down here. I'm picking a fight with you. You may not have wanted to be there, but I'm going to make it so that you want to be there. All right. So it reaches in and is calling forward all the events that are going on there. Look at 39, 1 to 8, look how he says it. And you, son of man, prophesy against Gog, and says, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I'm against you, O Gog, prince of Rosh, Meshech, and Tubal. I will turn you around and lead you on, bring you up from the far north, and bring you against the mountains of Israel. Then I will knock the bow out of your left hand, cause the arrows to fall out of your right hand. You shall fall upon the mountains of Israel, you and all your troops and the peoples who are with you. I will give you to birds of prey of every sort, and to the beasts of the field, to be devoured. You shall fall on the open field, for I have spoken, says the Lord God, and I will send fire on Magog and on those who live in security in the coastlands. Then they will know that I am the Lord. Why is God doing all this? They will know. This, he, he's, he's not being coy about this at all. He's being right up front with you. Here's what I'm doing. Everything I'm about to do is that you'll know that I'm the Lord. Why? Because people don't know that he's the Lord. People are trying their best to reject him as being Lord. There at Psalm 2, we want to throw off everything about him. We don't want anything to do with him. And we've been diligently trying to destroy his people all around the world. So they don't know him. He's going to make sure they do know him now, all right? Uh, He goes on to say then, verse 7, "'So I'll make my holy name known in the midst of my people Israel, and I'll not let them profane my holy name anymore.' then the nation shall know that I am the Lord, the Holy One in Israel. Surely it's coming, it shall be done, says the Lord God. This is the day of which I have spoken. <clears throat> God has said that he has a day. It's going to be called the day of the Lord. And he has a day in which he's going to be judging. We'll, we'll get to a little bit more of that in just a minute. But God has said this is that day. And I'm about to do that which I told you I was going to do a long time ago. He told them back here, matter of fact, here's the 2,600-year-old. There were prophets before that time that were already talking about a judgment that's going to come to this particular group of people. He is saying that all happened back there. I told you I was going to, I told you I was going to do it, and I've been long-suffering all this way. I am ready to do what I told you I was going to do, all right? Now I want you to look a couple of other things here that I think are important. It's a select group with whom God has cause. He's he's told us who it is. Gog and his allies. It looks like, from what I can see in the Word of God, that includes Turkey, Russia, Iran, Libya, Sudan, some parts of Eastern Europe, some of the stands that's a Uzbekistan and Turkmenistan and all those. And then I I put China and Mongols. Wait a minute. I, I and here's why this is tough. Anytime you're going to study Gog and Magog, and I I challenge you to get get in and do that, they have been known as a lot of different groups of people. They've been known as Scythians. They have been known as all kinds. Matter of fact, they were known as the Mongols at one time. And they were driven off to the north country. Now, let's just kind of fast forward up here to Marco Polo. When Marco Polo got here, he said that there were, uh, I'm sorry, uh, not Marco Polo, Alexander the Great, the Greek, Alexander the Great. He was moving on pretty fast. He was trying to get across all the territory. And he came to one place that he said, man, I I met some fierce people there. This was Gog and Magog. That's the way it gets translated into Greek. This was Gog and Magog that he met there. And they were fierce fighters. And the Chinese were um, some, somehow related to them. It looks like they may have been Mongols uh, from Mongolia. But the legend goes that Alexander drove them into a mountain, or in, in between two mountains, put them in between that, that mountainous area there, and then somehow built gates of some sort. They're called the Gates of Alexander. And that kept them in there. Others have speculated, no, what he was talking about was the Great Wall of China. It was the Great Wall of China that did that. So I, I don't know who exactly Gog and Magog are. I know this. Gog is not a country. Gog is the leader of the country. Magog is the country, or Magog, how do I, how you want to say that. That's the country. But I want you to see that they are an alliance, How many of you are watching, listening to any of the news? Well, it may not be on, on the news exactly. Do you know what's going on in Sudan? Remember a few years ago, we had a motorcycle rider that came here. He was called the Machine Gun Preacher. You remember him? Yeah. And he was fighting in the south of Sudan. Remember that? He was trying to rescue people from a nasty group of, of, um, I guess you'd call it a militia, that was fighting there. Well, Sudan came under a, a big rebe- rebellion, and that dictator that machine gun preacher was fighting against was dethroned. He was replaced by the military in Sudan. But the military in Sudan has two groups, the main military, and then you have a second one, it's like a RSA or something along those lines. It's a militia that's a heavily armed militia. And right now, that heavily armed militia is fighting against the other military unit that's in Sudan. They're trying to gain leadership there. So one of them has got to come out on top. There was a group, perhaps you've heard of this group, the Wagner Group. Yeah, that's the paramilitary organization that uh, works with Russia. They had been working in Libya Trying to overthrow that one and put it under the, the wing of Russia and Iran. That's in Libya. When they saw the resistance and rebellion going on in Sudan, the Wagner group outfitted the resistance group, the rebel group. What that did, that put Libya and Sudan under Iran and Russia. Exactly what this prophecy said. Now there's an alliance of Libya, Sudan, across the Red Sea here, and there's Saudi. With Saudi right there, it's it's not determined yet. I mean, Saudi and Iran don't like each other very well. I know China brokered a deal with them, but they're brokering a deal that has to do with oil and how to sell it and that sort of thing, and the United States is not treating the Saudis real nice, and the Saudis are not happy, da-da-da-da-da. What's happening, kids, is that you have Iran and now Sudan pinching onto um, uh, Saudi. Now, Israel is making peace with Saudi and everybody that's on the north side of Iran. So that you have now this careful um, uh, diplomatic work taking place with Israel, helping the Saudis. Get that one down. Yeah, okay. Yeah. As one as one guy said it once, the only hatred the Saudis have more for than Israel is the Shiites. They don't like the Shiites. It's a Sunni group, and they don't like the Shiites. Shiites are the ones that are in Iran, all right? So what you got now, guys, you got super tension that's being built up every place. You've got alliances of people funneling all kinds of money, funneling all kinds of stuff. Russia wants Sudan. There's gold in Sudan. And with that gold, they're backing up their money. They're getting them. Matter of fact, China and Russia are buying lots of gold these days. You say, what does this have to do with Ezekiel? It's called hooks. This is called hooks when you have a country that just is minding its own business, doesn't want to do anything, if you have a fight you want to pick, you've got to have a way to pick the fight. So he says, I'm putting hooks in your jaws, and I'm yanking your head this way, and I'm saying, look at my land. Look at my land. See Israel down there? They got gold. They got gas. They've got petroleum. They got minerals. Oh, there's a lot of stuff right there. See my land? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I see your land. And now they're going to want to go that direction. Tomorrow? Oh, no, 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 Don't, Don't ask me any time on this. If I'm doing good to get 2,600 years in, okay? I'm down to a few hundred years close to the 2,600. So don't ask me what day it's going to be. I just know this. God's putting hooks in the jaws. And if you would consider with me, hooks in the jaws is not singular but Plural the toolbox of God is full of hooks. He can use it economically. He can use it agrarian. He can use political. He can use ethnic. He can use metals and minerals. God has all the resources of heaven and earth that he can use to put hooks in anyone. So he's creating an alliance with those hooks, and they're tying themselves together in the desire to take, well, let's let's see what he says. Listen what it says Is uh, we go to 38. <clears throat> Verse 7 of 38. Prepare yourself and be ready, you and all your companies that are gathered about you, and be a guard for them. After many days. So in other words, it's not going to happen that day when Ezekiel's writing it. It's going to be after many days. So it's zipped up to here. Now, when you live in eternity, you can say many days, and it means a lot, okay? All right? So, now he goes on further. Prepare yourself and be ready, you and all your companies. After many days, you will be visited. In the latter years, you will come into the land of those brought back from the sword and gathered from many people on the mountains of Israel, which had long been desolate. They were brought out of the nations, and now all of them dwell safely. Now, here's the deal. That couldn't have happened in 136 A.D. That couldn't have happened in 200 A.D. It couldn't have happened in 300 A.D. Matter of fact, zip all the way up to 1500, 1600. We have the reformers. Martin Luther's reading the Bible and he says, you know what? It looks like the Jewish people have to have their own land. That's what it looks like. But we know it can't be. How do we know it can't be? Because they were all anti-Semitic. They didn't like Israel. And because they didn't like Israel, they couldn't see a way that it could possible, be possible for them to ever get their own land again. That's 1500, 1600. Because they felt like since Israel had blown it by crucifying the Messiah, God was finished with them. And he was going to replace them with, it, with the church. So the church was the one who's going to receive all those benefits. Even though they were reading the Word of God and saying it looks like Israel has to come back together again, it looks like Israel has to be back in the land again, because of their presupposition, they closed the book. They couldn't learn. Now, kids, here's something I think is real important. When we are talking about prophecy, we are talking about having to speculate a great deal. Because we don't have exact dates and things like that. The father doesn't talk that way. So we can afford to disagree, but we cannot afford to have a presupposition that says that can't happen. We can't afford that. You don't know what he can do. When he's got hooks, you don't know what those hooks can do. And, you don't, and he's saying this, I'm doing this in the latter years. He was already telling, if, if you had been reading the book of Ezekiel here at Jesus' day, you'd know that, that, that a possibility is there, but not as long as the Romans were there. They'd have to be gone in order for that to be fulfilled. They're having to look someplace in the future. All right. Now let me go a little further. It will be a host of people like a cloud, a storm covering the land, the mountains of Israel. Look at 38 9. You will ascend, coming like a storm, covering the land like a cloud. You and all your troops and many peoples with you. So you reckon there's got to be a few people? There's going to be a lot of people involved with this, kids. They are moving on the land. They're about to take that land over. That's, this is not a nuclear holocaust. This is people. People against people. Why? They want the land. It's not just that they want Israel dead. They want the land Israel has. You can't go around bombing it and nuking it and all of that and still have a good land. They want the resources. Look, look as a matter of fact, um, where is it? It says that uh, here. Uh, verse 10, thus says the Lord God, on that day it should come to pass that thoughts will arise in your mind. Where are they coming from? The hooks that God gave them. Then you will make an evil plan. You will say, I'll go up against the land of unwalled villages. I'll go to a peaceful people who shall dwell, all of them, uh, dwelling within, without walls and have neither bars nor gates, to take plunder and to take booty, to so stretch out your hand against the waste places that are again inhabited. Again, what Mark, uh, Mark Twain said it was waste places, and now it's a beautiful place, it's inhabited. Against the people gathered from the nations, that's Israel, who have acquired livestock and goods who shall dwell in the midst of the land. They are coming to get the stuff. They don't want it destroyed. They want to have the resources, all right? So this leader in alliance will perceive a weakness in Israel that would be convenient to attack them. They're going to look at it and say, we got lots more than they got. We've got an opportunity for us to go down and attack them, and we're going to attack them. We're going to take stuff from them. We're going to kill all the people off the of land. We're going to keep the land, all right? The goal of the attack is to plunder the land and its people, to take away what they have worked for and to become wealthy at their expense. Go to page two. They are well-armed and suited for war. 38, four and 15. Look what 38, four says. Uh, I'll turn you around, put hooks in your... Yes, Uh, lead you out with all your army, horses and horsemen all splendidly clothed in a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. Now, I'm assuming that's meaning military equipment. Uh, I think Ezekiel would have a hard time talking about fire sticks in his day. Uh, I think he'd have a hard time talking about tanks in his day. I think he'd have a hard time talking about a lot of things in his day. So he's he's using whatever military tools he can think of, but they're coming down well-appointed. All the rest of the nations of the world will protest the invasion, but do nothing to help Israel resist and fight this massive armor. Look at 38.13. Sheba, Dedan, the merchants of Tarshish, and all their young lions will say to you, have you come to take plunder? Have you gathered your army to take booty, to carry away silver and gold, to take away livestock and goods, to take great plunder? End of story. I can hear a UN resolution, can't you? You can hear a security council getting together and say, hey, what are you guys doing there? Are you planning to go down there and take uh, Israel's stuff? Yeah. Oh, All right, well, uh, uh, I vote no. The rest of them all vote yes. So what new UN resolution do we get out of it? Zero. I'm wondering more and more if that's not why we're engaged in Ukraine and Russia, to spend everything we got on them. Can you think of a better time than right now for China to take Taiwan? We're scattered out. We're spread out. What a great time. If we expend more and more of our resources, we couldn't help Israel if we had to. It's my understanding. This is my understanding. I think it's pretty reliable sources. I didn't see it, so I can't say it. Here's what my understanding is. The things we had stored in Israel to protect Israel with have been moved to Ukraine. So we don't have the stuff in Israel that we were going to defend them with. Now I don't know that, and if listen, if there are uniform people that come and arrest me for saying, that, you know, because that boy gave away some secrets, I don't have access to anything. I don't know any classified anybody. I don't know classified anything. I've already been threatened with uh, uh, when I was stupid enough to ask guys, and what do you do out of Scott? <laughs> yeah, uh huh. If I tell you, I gotta shoot you. You know, I quit asking. I don't care what you do it Scott you, you, know, you, you can look at the parking meters if you want I don't care I'm not going to ask you I don't want you to know what you're doing Okay. <clears throat> with no one to help With their backs against the wall I want you to think with me now Red Sea in the Egyptian army God is directly invested in this This is going to be a direct intervention Now here guys just think for a moment It's God's goal to have everybody know that he's the Lord. It's God's goal to make sure that they know only God is about to do what's happening here. So he's got to make sure that everybody else is short supply. He's got to make sure everybody else is about exhausted, even little Israel, because he's going to do something himself that will stagger the imagination. He's got to make sure the U.S., hasn't got it. Sheba, Dedan, Tarshish, all you guys, you got nothing. You're not going to come help. So that when this is done, everyone will know that he is the Lord. All right. So let's let's take a look at it. Here's what he said. He told us that he had spoken this through his prophets already. um, And I found... Places in Isaiah, chapter 24, chapter 33, chapter 34. You can write those out to the side and read them yourself. I found those chapters did speak about this destruction of nations, this gathering together of some of the nations there and the destruction of them, some of the very descriptions you have right there. That's Isaiah 24, 33, and 34. Now I want you to look with me at Ezekiel 38, 19 to 23. 38, 19 to 23. Well, let's pick up 18 to make sure we get it. And it shall come to pass at the same time when God comes against the land of Israel. When's he going to do it? When, when God comes against the land of Israel. Not while he's in Turkey. Not while he's in Syria. Not while he's in Russia. It's when he comes against his land, Israel. All right? Says the Lord God, that my fury will show in my face. who picked the fight? He did. And he put hooks in their jaws, and now they're coming down there. Now, fellas, now that you're down here, I want you to see my fury. This is going to be tough stuff. Watch what he does. For in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath I have spoken. Surely in that day there should be a great earthquake in the land of Israel. Starts with an earthquake. So that the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, the beasts of the field, all the creeping things that creep on the earth, and all men who are on the face of the earth will shake at my presence. Kids, this is a big globe. And an earthquake is going to be so fierce in the Israel that everybody is shaken by it. That's a big earthquake. It makes me wonder how many smaller earthquakes are going to come from that adjustment. How many aftershocks is going to be with that adjustment? But here's what it says. A great earthquake in the land of Israel. He says, the mountains shall be thrown down. The steep places shall fall. Every wall shall fall to the ground. So that's the first thing. A great earthquake large enough that the whole world is affected by it. It will change the topography of the land. This is the Lord doing this. Let me go on further. Verse 21. I will call for a sword against Gog throughout all my mountains, says the Lord God. Every man's sword will be against another. There is the Lord giving battle confusion to them. I don't know whether it's just because it's dark when this is all happening. I don't know. But this, is, this would not be the first time that God has called battle confusion and people fought against each other. But what's going to happen, all these enemies now are going to start shooting at each other or hacking on each other, whatever, whatever, however they're going to kill each other. They're just going to kill each other, right? And it's going to be that battle confusion that the Lord is giving. So here was this massive army that thinks it's about to overtake everything, and instead, earthquake shakes it up. Now they're shooting at one another, killing each other. Let me go on a step further with you. He goes on to say, uh, in a uh, call for a sword verse uh, 22 And I will bring him to judgment with pestilence and bloodshed Now there's going to be sickness And there's going to be bloodshed All at the same time Now just, just think for a moment If that kind of carnage is going on How much blood's being shed on the world A lot, a lot This is not Armageddon There's more to go at Armageddon This is, if I can do my little timeline here Here's the tribulation. This is here. This is happening before the tribulation. It's not Armageddon that happens here. There's a difference in the way they die and a difference in who's involved with it. So this is back here before the tribulation. How do I know that? Because Ezekiel 39 says, then I will show my glory to the nations and Israel will turn to me. I'm bringing it in. So Aliyah is taking place. Aliyah, they're coming back. They're, they're coming back into the land again and a grand revival is going to break out. More about that in just a moment. All right. God brings pestilence and bloodshed on them. Look, look what he goes on further. It's, that's not enough. I will rain down on him and on his troops and on the many peoples who are with him, flooding rain, not just rain, but rain that floods. So wherever you are, if you're in a low place, you're about to be flooded. You're about to die in the flood. Go on further. Great hailstones, fire, and brimstone. Thus I will magnify myself and sanctify myself. I'll be known in the eyes of many nations. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. Let me just take you back now. To a time back down here when Israel was held captive in um, Egypt. There was a great display by God Almighty as God Almighty not only fought against the Egyptians but against their gods. And he was showing them day by day, this is what I did. This is what I did. And how did he do it? having a Moses announce in advance, this is what's going to happen. So Moses stands in the court of Pharaoh and says, let my people go. No, I'm not going to let them go. Okay. Flies it is. He walks out and flies get all of Egypt, but not getting Goshen, where the, where the Israel lived. Okay. Take the flies away. Take the flies away. All right. All right. Flies away. Let my people go. No. Frogs it is. Frogs, okay, now, not in Goshen, but in Egypt. Frogs in my soup, frogs in my bed, frogs in my closet, frogs everywhere. Take the frogs away. Let my people go. No. Frogs gone. Here's some lice. Everything just like he said he would do it. Everybody follow? This is God in a direct intervention. He is saying, I am the one that's here. You're going to know that I am the Lord. Why? Because earlier in this thing, Pharaoh said, who is Yahweh? I don't know Yahweh. He didn't talk to me. I got a God of my own. Get out of here. I don't know what that's about. Okay, Then you shall know that I am the Lord. You shall know that I am the Lord. You shall know that I am the Lord. And when it's down to the firstborn, and it's so specific. Listen, he didn't say, in the morning, I'm going to kill all the Egyptians. That could have been a disease. That could have been a lot of things. But to say only the firstborn? To get that thing down specific where it's only the firstborn that's going to die? That's the Lord. And only the firstborn died. Get out of here. Go away. And still not satisfied. So you have to follow Israel all the way to the Red Sea. And with their backs against the wall, and them looking back over their shoulders saying, Oh, no. Sea in front of us, Egyptians behind us, we're dead. Israel's looking at the same thing. Do you see? If I can take Ezekiel and I zip it up here, Israel's looking at the same thing. What's going on with them? Their backs are against the wall. Who's our help? Zero. Goose egg. Nobody's coming. Nada. You're on your own. But we've, all our weapons are gone. We've, we've, we've spent all our... You're on your own, pal. And then massive earthquake... All the stuff that's just been described for us there, that's God's direct intervention. Can I tell you? They know where it's coming from. The Egyptians knew where it's coming from. And can I tell you? Canaan knew where it was coming from. You remember when they got over into Canaan land and they said, wow, we've already heard about you. We knew you were coming. You've been that big cloud thing out there. We've been watching this thing. You're the guys that killed. The oh, boy. The Egyptians all drowned and all that stuff. That was you guys, wasn't it? Oh, Yeah. That was our God. Yeah, yeah. well, we're terrified of you. We don't want you in here. We'll fight you. We'll do everything we can to get you out of here. We don't want you in this land. Do you understand? This is not the last battle it's going to be on earth. This is the one that introduces the whole world to who God himself is. You have been forgetting me. I want you to know I am Yahweh. And he's doing this thing that destroys all those people. They thought they had it. And here's little Israel with their back against the wall, knowing they've got no help. Let me ask you, from that point on, what do you think you're going to think about Israel? I want you to think with me, kids. At that point, everybody's going to say, you know, we will still clear them. Um, let's, let's do a Night thing of some kind. Let's just make a pact with them or something, which is exactly what takes place. You see, we've been saying forever that the Antichrist is going to make a pact with them to keep them, protect them. Hey, kids, what if he's making a pact to protect himself? Do you remember what just happened? that whole massive alliance army was destroyed by natural events. Is this somebody you want to mess with? I think not. And Israel's recognizing, wow, the Lord is the Lord. Hallelujah. They're going to get right with him. The nations are going to know who this is, and they're going to back off, at least for those first three and a half years. Because the guy who's doing the underground work is under their protection. You follow me? He's been protecting them. He's ready to just go conquer every place. Think David and Ziklag. David lived in Ziklag, Philistine country. And a Philistine king said, yeah, you can live there. And he lied to the Philistine king. Remember what he did? David went out and he'd go conquer another city over here, wipe out everybody, bring back all the goods and get rich. Kings say, where you been, buddy? I've been talking to some of your enemies. It was his own folk. And he goes down here and he tackles another one. And he's doing all this destructive work while the king of the Philistines believes he's on his side. Antichrist, I think, will do exactly the same thing. This is Doug thinking, okay? Let me preface that. This is Doug thinking, so don't go around and say, this is what's going to happen. No, I don't know that. I'm just telling you what I think I see is happening. He's got their protection for three and a half. I want you to look at a couple of other big deals that are here. He says, uh, uh, look at verse 39, 6. Verse 39, 6. Here's what it says. And I will send fire on Magog and on those who live in security in the coastlands. Fire. He's sending fire on Magog. Now, the question I had in my mind, is that Magog, as he's moved down here on this battle, or is that Magog back home? I'm thinking it may be Magog back home. Why? Because he's also sending that same fire on the coastlands. Kids, if there is a mention of North America and South America and all those lands that are heretofore unknown, it's in that coastlands. The coastlands on the islands are the ways that the lands outside of the Mediterranean were known. That's what they were calling them because nobody had been there to find out what they were. There's a fire that's coming in the coastlands. That's all the people who didn't care to get involved with this battle that Israel was with. Clucking their tongues, but not involved with the battle. And they're coming under fire so that all the nations will know that I am the Lord. All right? The birds of prey and the beasts of the field will feed on them by God's command. That's 39, 17 to 20, and 39, 4. Their weapons will become fuel for the next seven years. Why don't you pick up with me on this? This is uh, fantastic. Let me see if I can find where that's... um, Apparently I didn't write my reference down. Here we go. Um, Let's pick up with verse 9 of 39. Uh, The nation shall know that I am the Lord. Verse 8. I'm sorry. Surely it is coming and it shall be done, says the Lord. This is the day of which I have spoken. Then those who dwell in the cities of Israel will go out and set on fire and burn the weapons, both shields and bucklers, the bows and arrows, the javelins and spears. They will make fires with them for seven years. Good land. I I don't even know how you burn weapons. I'm not a weapons burner, so I don't know much about that. But they're going to use that as fuel. Somehow those weapons, whether it's the the gas in them, the natural, I don't know what is in it, but they're going to use those, how long? Seven years. Seven years. Now, I don't know what part of time that's going to be. I just know it's a seven-year duration. They're using that for fuel. But notice there's something else as it goes further. Then those who dwell in the cities will go out, set on fire, burn the weapons, both the shields and bucklers, and bows and arrows and javelins and spears, they make fires for seven years. They will not take wood from the field nor cut it down, they make fires of the weapons, so on and so forth. Verse 11. And it shall come to pass in that day that I will give Gog a burial place there in Israel of the valley of those who pass by east of the sea. And it will obstruct travelers because they will bury Gog and all his multitude. Therefore, they'll call that valley Haman Gog. For seven months, the house of Israel will be burying them in order to cleanse the land. Seven months. And that's after the birds and the beasts have eaten their full. They are now satiated with the flesh that was on all of those armies. Those guys have been burned. They have been drowned. They have been slaughtered. And they are being, this is carnage, kids, and they're going to be burying people for seven months. That's why I was saying to you, this is not Armageddon. You wouldn't be doing that at Armageddon. You don't have seven years of fuel you need to burn in uh, the millennium. And you're not going to spend seven months of the millennium burying folk. No, that's up here at the beginning of the tribulation and just before that tribulation. I don't know how far that seven years extends. Does it extend from three and a half years before to three and a half years during? I don't know that, but I know it's seven years they're going to be burning those things. I doubt that it's past this point, middle of the tribulation, because they're fleeing here. They're having to get away quick. All right? So don't know where, where that goes with that. God uses this event to change the heart of Israel. And I, that's one we read first. They will know the Lord and his Christ. This is Aliyah. This is them coming back to their land. Now, I'm going to give you something that at least to think about. Why don't you turn with me to the book of Joel for a moment? The book of Joel. That's just a few pages over. Kind of sandwiched in between Hosea and Amos. Joel chapter two. There's too much for us to read here, but I want to I want you to get the picture here. From Joel chapter two, verse one through twenty-seven. I believe, is a good description of this Ezekiel 38 and 39 war. This is them. He's driving the northern army away in verse 20, uh, driving away in a barren and desolate land. They're they're calling a sacred assembly. There's all kinds of things going on with that. But I want you to pick up with me at verse 28, because this you may have heard of before. After they have been doing all this with this uh, regathering themselves back into the land, after they have been seeing this army of swarming locusts that destroyed everything, which sounded like that's what that was in that northern army, it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Also on my servants and my maidservants I will pour out my spirit in those days remember where that was recorded before? That's back at Pentecost. That's the one that Peter used at Pentecost and said, you see all these people speaking in all these different languages? Here's why they're speaking all these different languages. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now, wait a minute. Let me ask you this. Why did they need to speak in tongues on that day? It is in order that the people who were there from all over the place could hear in their own language the gospel of Jesus Christ. Follow that? Why will he do that here? That was not the complete fulfillment. Let me show you why. Pick up with me at verse 30. I will show wonders in the heavens and the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. Whoop! Before the coming of what? Before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. Think with me as we went through Revelation. In Revelation chapter 6, last two verses of chapter 6, Jesus is opening up the sixth seal. And when he opens up the sixth seal, the heavens are rolled back. And you're looking into heaven now, and you're seeing the sun is black, the moon is black, stars are falling, that's this event. Therefore, that speaking in languages had to happen prior to that, because that's what he said is going to happen after this speaking to people. Why would he have to do it? What did he say he was going to do? He said, when I have defeated these nations... I am going to bring my people from where? All the nations. So you've got all these people showing up from all around the world that are coming to Israel. How are you going to talk with them? The outpouring of his spirit is giving them opportunity to speak the languages of all those people who just moved into Israel because they've got to hear the gospel. They've got to get the economy right. They've got to get everything going. They've got a temple to build. They've got a lot of things to do. So in order to build that, you're going to have to be able to speak to people to understand. This is the reversal of the Babel. Brothers and sisters, you are looking at a prophecy that's been written 2,600 years ago that's coming to life in your lifetime. I think it could very easily be seen that you will be witnessing some of this, and it may be just prior to the the rapture. I'm pretty sure it's going to be prior to the tribulation. Because let me just share this with you. When he intervened with Egypt, that is not the last battle that they ever fought. Nope. They still had many battles to go. And if I can say, they still had a lot of things to do. They had to get to the promised land and make it livable. Follow me? So we don't look at the Ezekiel 38, 39 as the last battle Israel's ever going to go through. We look at it as the battle that God intervened with, and that's where the big, the big stuff started. That's what's going to start that tribulation time. That's my estimation on the thing from, I think, my study. Father, thank you so much that Jesus Christ is Lord. Thank you so much for your kindness to us and the way you watch over us. I don't know everybody here, Father, but I know you do. And I ask in Jesus' name that you would speak to any heart, that is outside of you just now. Put hooks in them, Father, and draw them to you, that they might know the Christ, they might be saved from the wrath that is to come, because we can see wrath is coming. You're an awesome God, and it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Thank you for your grace and your mercy just now, in Jesus' name. God has saved us from the wrath which is to come. And that wrath is surely coming. Events are being worked by our Lord right now to bring things into that proper relationship. I want you to be a part of the whole of God's work. Not to be scared, but be prepared. We know what what is coming. We see and understand what God is doing. So we want to be people who are ready with the gospel of Jesus Christ. People need to be saved. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you so much for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for the way in which you've watched over us, cared for us, met our every need. Thank you for the brothers that you gave to us that we remembered this past week, Father, and for their families. So we lift those families up, Father, asking that in Jesus' name you'll meet their need, comfort their hearts, and be to the widows, Father, there the husband that they need. And I'm going to thank you for what we we'll do in Jesus' name and for his sake. We hope God has encouraged you with today's message by Pastor White. Thank you for joining us at the Edgemont Bible Church. We'd love to have you visit us if you're ever in the area. For directions, more information, or to support the ministry of Edgemont Bible Church, please go to our website at edgemontbiblechurch.org. That's Church, edgemontbiblechurch, all one word, dot org. You can also follow us on Facebook at Edgemont Bible Church, where the Sunday morning message is broadcast live.